0: I imagine that all of you will be very aware of this terrible situation which is unfolding in Ukraine with the Russian military invasion. This is the first time for many, many decades that there's been serious military conflict in Europe on this scale. Our leaders are describing it in sobering terms and grave terms, saying it could be a catastrophe for our continent. On our television screens this week, we've seen the leader of one of the world's greatest nuclear superpowers threaten those who would seek to resist them with unprecedented consequences. Like many of you, I've lived through many international conflicts over the years, but this one does feel very significant. So I felt it was appropriate for us to change what we're going to be speaking on today to talk about it together. Whilst this is extremely unsettling on a whole number of levels, our first thoughts must be with the people of Ukraine. We join them today in mourning loved ones who have been killed, sharing in their grief as they experience the violent invasion of their country, fearing for their homes, their communities, their lives. Many are leaving as refugees, and there is great alarm at the potential future the Ukrainian people could face under Russian rule. According to 24-7 prayer, 70% of Ukrainians would describe themselves as Christians. We stand with them, which include vineyard churches in that country, and the rest of the population of that free country as they cry out to God to bring comfort to their land. We are living in difficult days This conflict is surfacing at a time when many around the world are already troubled, already unsettled by traumatic events in recent history. The majority of the world is in the midst of, or reeling from, the effects of the coronavirus coronavirus pandemic which is estimated to have claimed in excess of 5 million lives globally. And the last few years seem to, in some ways, have been a procession of troubling global events. We've seen unrest, violence around the world. The ongoing decade-long conflict in Syria is now estimated to have claimed nearly 400,000 lives, a quarter of which are thought to be civilians. Last year, thousands of Afghans fled their homes as the Taliban took forced control of Kabul, following the withdrawal of the U.S. and the U.K. troops. We've seen natural disasters and worrying trends in the state of the planet. We've witnessed disasters in the form of tornadoes, earthquakes, floods, fires, famine. And we've heard increasingly alarming reports of the escalating global climate crisis. We live in a time that might remind many of us of the events that Jesus warned us to expect to unfold between uh, his ascension to heaven, or at least his life here 2,000 years ago, and his return at some future point. So I'm going to read here from Matthew 24, verse 6. This is what Jesus said. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Jesus warned us that things would get rough before his second coming, before he returns to set everything straight that there will be wars, there will be rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. But Jesus encourages us with these words, do not be alarmed. And then just reading on, he encourages his followers in the midst of traumatic times, verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But whoever stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Jesus warned that nobody but the Father knows the hour of Jesus' return. We cannot predict it. We just know for certain it's going to happen. And Jesus explains that such things will happen, but the end is yet to come. And describes these events as the beginnings of birth pains. His return may be imminent, it may be centuries off, we simply don't know. But the events we are witnessing are a reminder that we live in a time described as the last days. An age that began when Jesus first came and which will culminate in an acceleration of global trials before the return of Jesus to put the world right. And today I want to ask and really attempt to answer these questions. How do we respond as Christians in the UK to the events unfolding in Ukraine and the difficulties and sufferings around the world? How do we embrace Jesus's instructions not to be alarmed but to stand firm in the midst of it? And how can we be people who embody and who preach the gospel of the kingdom as a testimony to the nations? So firstly, we should remember Who lies behind these events? It seems evident that Vladimir Putin is the aggressor in today's conflict. But it's worth remembering that in any war or conflict, the ultimate enemy is not an individual, is not a nation. It is the devil, Satan, whose influence lies behind every evil action. We live in what the Bible calls this present evil age, And even many people who don't believe in God are aware of evil. You know, evil exists. It's undeniable. It does, and it is the expression of a very real enemy, Satan. We live in a time where Satan's kingdom of darkness has influence in the world. Both Jesus and the Apostle Paul repeatedly refer to Satan as having a level of rulership. Jesus refers to him three times as the ruler of this world. He has authority to rule somehow. (coughs) He's always subject to God, but nevertheless, some degree of authority to wreak havoc on the earth. The Bible elsewhere, elsewhere tells us that Satan roams through the earth and goes back and forth in it. That he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour exerting where he can the expression of his vile nature and one of the ways he does that is by influencing human decisions and history testifies to this war murder terrorism crime abuse all acts of violence are carried out by humans who of course are responsible and accountable for their actions but at their core These are all expressions of the kingdom of darkness, of Satan's kingdom. And these things have the devil's fingerprints really all over them. Secondly, we should remember who is on the throne. The age that we live in bears witness to an ongoing spiritual battle waged between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God, which Jesus came to proclaim and to demonstrate 2000 years ago but while the kingdom of God was ushered in through Jesus it is not fully here Jesus said the kingdom of God is near is in you has come upon you has been given to you but he also told many parables about the kingdom coming at some point in the future and taught his disciples to pray that his kingdom would come so clearly it's not fully here So we live in this time experiencing what the theologians call eschatological tension. Eschatological refers to the end times. Tension because two different ages coexist within our experience and are in fact, uh, they compete for supremacy every day. The kingdom of God is here, but it is not fully here. We live in a world where we see goodness, and we see evil. We see darkness. We see light clashing. Uh, We see lives ravaged by sickness. Sometimes people are healed. Sometimes they're not healed. Sometimes acts of terrorism are prevented. Other times, lives are lost to terrorism. Governments outlaw and stop trafficking and slavery, yet these continue to afflict many. Sometimes humanity is able to live in peace and unity, Sometimes war and conflict breaks out. God's will is done. God's will is not done. The Bible explains that it's always been Satan, the devil, causing this. If I may turn to 1 John 3 verse 8, it says this, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The reason the Son of God, Jesus Christ, appeared, came to earth, was to destroy the devil's work. When Jesus died on that cross, he won a victory over Satan, over the devil, and his kingdom of darkness. And he struck a fateful blow against Satan. He defeated him. Satan has lost the fight. He's going down, but as he reels and staggers, he continues to lash out, desperately trying to do damage wherever he can. While now we see the expression of the kingdom of darkness, we can be fully confident there is a day coming when the devil will have no more influence. And then there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. There will be no more war. We can trust this because the Bible tells us that is what is going to happen. Now, I realize that doesn't change the situation right now, but it helps us to remember that in the midst of this chaos, Jesus is very much on the throne, and these are the death throes of our defeated enemy. So, how do we respond? Well, thirdly, we stand firm. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it the, that you are not alarmed. Now, as with the COVID pandemic, we are facing a time when those around us may be alarmed, may be fearful, anxious. But there are two instructions that strike me in this verse from Matthew 24 that we just read. Firstly, to not be alarmed, and secondly, to stand firm. There are Christians around the world for whom this is extremely applicable. In countries like North Korea, North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Pakistan, Syria, Iran, Iraq, countries where it's extremely dangerous to be a Christian. Christians around the world risk their their lives for their faith in Jesus, and they're able to stand firm with the Lord's help. A few years ago, Canon Andrew White, a friend of ours who was the vicar of the main Anglican church in Baghdad, came to speak here at Trent. And he had been there as IS started to invade parts of Iraq. And he watched as members of his church were kidnapped. They were forced to denounce their faith in Jesus. And quite a number in his congregation were killed. Members of that church were just beyond amazing in their ability to stand firm. Strengthened by the Holy Spirit. That challenge and that resource now falls to our Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine amidst the explosions and gunfire. What are we to do? Well, we're not to be alarmed and we're to stand firm with them. One of the ways we stand in solidarity with them is to follow the biblical instruction to mourn with those who mourn, to empathize, engage with it, empathize with those who are suffering. We also stand Against the oppressor, as we stand with those who are being oppressed. Now is not the time to be divided and engage in political point scoring. Now is the time to recognize what is evil and to push back against it. And as the news of the conflict escalates, where people are scared, they're concerned about what this is going to lead to, what are we to do? We can be distinctive as we stand firm. This time time is an opportunity to show our friends that we believe in a God who is bigger than these world crises, that there is hope and that God is very actively engaged. Paul writes to the church in Rome, Romans 12, he says this, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. We can pray. Jesus taught us to pray that God's kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray for the people of Ukraine, pray for those who are injured, pray for those who are traumatized. We would do well to pray for emergency workers, peacekeepers and particularly to pray for world leaders, you know, those in positions of responsibility globally who are charged with making the very, very complex decisions regarding this developing conflict. Those entrusted with making decisions have really an awesome responsibility, and they, they need God's wisdom. Whether they know him or not, whether they know it or not, they need extraordinary wisdom to have a, a hope, really, of solving this extraordinary challenge. And then though it goes against every natural tendency within us Jesus instructed us to pray for our enemies and as counterintuitive as it may seem we are to pray for Vladimir Putin and his government let's pray that their hearts will be changed that they would desist in their violence and threats and seek peace and we're to pray against the schemes of the devil And we're to pray that the Lord would intervene and push back the agenda of Satan that we perceive to be at work behind this conflict and this bloodshed.